if you do have a large catalog of music and you want to feel extra protected and file that with copyright.gov, you can do what's, what's called like a collection of works. And if you're if everyone's the same writer within that collection of works, like if it's just you and you know you have 50 tracks on and it's just you on all 50 tracks and you can just register the collection for for one fee. Yo, what's good? This is Clint, your host on the Music Is My Business podcast, the podcast where you can gain insight and learn proven strategies to build and monetize your music career. If you want your questions answered live, join me on YouTube at Clint Music on Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern time, and let's chop it up. Now let's dig into this week's episode. All right, that's a lot better. So does anybody know what music licensing is, sync licensing? No. Okay, awesome. So what sync licensing is, is pretty much I create music for TV, film, media. So every time you guys go watch a movie, you guys watch a TV show, there's music playing in the background. Um, for my, my athletes in here, when you guys are watching those highlight reels on ESPN, Fox Sports, I'm producing music that's playing behind those, those scenes and those segments. So it's a pretty cool niche. Um, and it is cool because I get to stay at home in my studio, crank out as much music as I want, send it to the publishers, and then it ends up on a bunch of TV shows. So some of my music has been heard on Keeping Up With The Kardashians, NFL Today, Catfish, People's Choice Awards, House Hunters, and a bunch of others. And then these are some of the networks that I've had the privilege of producing music for. I'm also an influencer. I create content online, focus on music licensing, music production, and music business. So creating content on YouTube and Instagram, and then I leverage that influence and create you know, strategic partnerships with different brands that align with my target audience. And then sometimes that can be you know, free products. It can be paid sponsorships to post their products to put in front of my audience. Um, or it could just be creating a review video about something. Um, so it all kind of aligns within music, music production, business, and licensing. I also love Marvel and its entire universe. I literally just watched The Eternals last night. I fell asleep because I was super tired, but I'm going to go back and finish that joint. Any Marvel fans in here? Okay. Nice, nice. Um, anybody seen the new Spider-Man? I heard it was dope. It was dope? Okay. I haven't seen it yet, so don't, don't ruin it for me, all right? Um, so, yes, you will still love Marvel movies when you're 34 years, years old and running a business. That doesn't change. And I love pizza. I love it a lot. I just had it last night, literally. So, again, you will still love pizza when you're 34 years old. It doesn't change, so it's nothing to worry about. And that's it. That's me. That's, that's who I am. It's what I do. Um, I'm also a husband, a father. I have a little two-year-old who's literally into everything like the dude like in two seconds he's touching something different it's crazy then i have a little guy on the way um he's due in april so my wife she's in nesting mode getting everything together trying to clean stuff up it's insane so fun times in the clint household so that's me that's what i do now i want to talk about you guys and um and answer any questions that that you all have um so Let's go for it. Do you have anyone, like I saw on your website that you also do like some counseling or like helping like other people. Like when you were starting out, did you have anyone that like served as like a mentor for you or any like music producers you really looked up to that like helped you? 
Absolutely. Mentorship is, is crucial, especially in business. I had um, mentors, production mentors. Um, so one of, the, one of the first tracks that I produced was actually for an artist named Music Soul Child. He's an R&B artist. So I had a producer pretty much mentoring me through the process and how you know the business side of things work through that record. And that was kind of like my introduction to the major music industry. Um, so he's, he's still been a mentor um, on the, the production and mentor side. He's here in Atlanta as well. Um, I've had other mentors to, to kind of teach me about marketing and kind of building influence on social media. So absolutely, mentorship has, has been crucial to my growth. I did not. I have not met the Kardashians yet. Are you like in contact with like the manager? So, so I'll tell you how it works, right? In, in music licensing. So, pretty much, <clears throat> we have what's called music libraries or music licensing companies, and they pretty much it, it can go a couple ways. Most cases is with a, a library, right? So. I build the relationship with the library and I sign what's called a music licensing deal. So they hear my music, they're like, hey, it's dope, like, let's sign it, blah, blah, blah. We sign an agreement and they have the relationships with um, what's called music supervisors. Those are the people that's in charge of you know, all the music on a show and you have editors who's placing the music in the shows. So they kind of garnered that relationship. So all of the music stuff happens in post-production. So they shoot, you know, they film and all of that stuff during production and then they send all the footage out in post-production and that's when they put the music and then my music is sitting in, in a library and then they just kind of pull and grab what they want to use. Um, so I never, you know, I don't have to interact with the cast or anything like that. I just kind of do my thing, send it to the music library, library sends it to the post-production team. Yes. Oh, it, it was dope. It was dope. Um, it's not for everyone, but the thing I love about it was um, the, the time freedom for me was really important, especially going into, you know, parenthood and needing to have certain flexibilities for our child, especially when COVID hit. That's when I really appreciated it more um, because our son, he was always sick in daycare. And, you know, it, it's tough when you know, you have to abide and you're trying to stay within, you know, PTO guidelines and things like that. Um, so that was real big, just being able to kind of be, be there for him. Um, and then, I don't know, like I love, <clears throat> I love a lot of different things, right? So <clears throat> I have a background in IT. Um, so before I went full-time music, I worked in IT. Um, I love IT, but then I also love marketing things. I also love some some elements of sales right but like if you go to you know like a a regular corporate environment you know it's like pick one and i'm just like i kind of want to do like three different things right so entrepreneurship allows me to kind of discover different areas work in different areas and um just kind of have my hands in, in a lot of different things so you know. yes um, Right. How much of that IT background <clears throat> A lot. Believe it or not, like a lot of producers that, you know, I do consulting with, they have a background in IT. Like 
I feel like producers and IT just it goes hand in hand, right? Because we're dealing with software a lot. We're dealing with hardware and technical issues. Things break and we got to figure out how to fix it. Our equipment stops working when we're trying to produce music. So a lot of the things in IT as far as troubleshooting and going through steps to kind of you know, triage, technical issues, a lot of it is directly related to, to music production. Um, and I think, I don't know, I read somewhere it's like the side of the brain we use for IT stuff is kind of like the same as music or something like that. So yeah, it, it, it works. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yes, music, the music industry, when you're, you're talking about, you know, producing for, for big artists, major artists, there's a lot, there's a lot of politics involved that you kind of have to weave through if you want to deal with it. Um, whereas just being, being a musician, um, depending on at what level, um, some things you don't really have to deal with as much, um, you know, record labels, they want to see they want to see success. You get paid on how successful you have, how many number one hits and things like that. When you're trying to get a placement on a major artist, a lot of times they have their teams internal, so it can be tough to kind of break through those, you know, those teams and, and get on. And then you have millions of producers fighting for these same five artists, you know what I mean? So it can be really challenging um, and competitive, but uh, music licensing, which is the, you know, the area that I work in, there's still plenty of opportunities. There's no politics. Um, the music is what matters at the end of the day. If you make quality music and you can deliver, you know, consistently within the given deadlines and things like that, you're good to go. So, yeah. Yes. How do you make your money from the library or from the shows and networks that you? That's a great question. So, <clears throat> there's a couple ways you get paid in music licensing. So. You have what's called an upfront fee, um, a sync fee. So anytime a TV show or a movie wants to use your music, they need a license, and sometimes that license is attached with a fee. So you can get an upfront payment, which can range from zero to like tens of thousands of dollars, just depending on the deal, the territory, you know, how long they want to use it. Um, so you get that. That's the upfront fee, and then which is the super dope part, is on the back end, you get what's called royalties every time the show airs. Um, so on TV, so Keeping Up With The Kardashians, for example, I had, <clears throat> I, the first placement I had on that show was like eight years ago. Like I still get royalties from that show today because it airs over and over and over. Now it's airing in like some rand, it's like random countries all over the world. Like it just keeps playing and you just keep getting paid. So it's a great way to, you know, to get some upfront money, but also build residual income, passive income, you know, while you're, you're doing other things and creating new music. Yeah, so you have um, what's called beat leasing. Um, so if there's an indie artist where, you know, they may not have a huge budget, right, but they still want some quality production, um, us producers, we also lease beats online. So you can go to, for example, my beat store is clintbeats.com. You can go there and just lease a beat and you have certain rights to that beat um, where you can post it on YouTube, you can release a single and things like that. Correct. For that, for a lease, you wouldn't get paid royalties unless 
unless it was like used on YouTube, you get you get royalties from YouTube ad revenue if they post it on YouTube and it's getting a lot of streams. But depending on how the agreement is set up, that that song that the artist created, it wouldn't be able to be placed on TV. So then in that sense, there would be no royalties. But if we did an exclusive song where, you know, it wasn't a lease, but it was just like an exclusive purchase. Like I only did this song for you and you only, no other artist could, could lease it. Then we could pitch that for TV and then create royalties for both of us that way. Yeah. So on your website, you say you're like connected with a bunch of different really big brands, kind of like Netflix and stuff. And I know for our idea, we're not to make some of those similar connections. So I was wondering how you, like when you're starting out, just proceeding around with those yeah, so a great resource that I love to use is LinkedIn. So what, what's, the, what's the idea that you guys have? We have uh, a, like a streaming service for movies and TV and stuff, but it like combines the libraries of all the major ones mm -hmm. so that anytime people drive traffic to their sites, yeah. they can like center everything. That's dope. So LinkedIn is a great resource. I would, I would research who would be responsible and what department would be responsible in those kind of partnerships. Um, so it may be, um, I'm not sure if it would be in the marketing department, but start somewhere. Start with like a VP of something or a head of something, a vice president of marketing or vice president of communications or something. And then, you know, add them on LinkedIn, shoot them a message, say, hey, you know, just want to hop on a quick phone call um, to discuss something or ask, you know, who would I talk to to be able to discuss this this idea, and then just you know they'll either point you in the direction or they'll be the person you need to talk to. Um, so that's a great way. Just researching, starting on LinkedIn, you can find you know people who work for the corporations. Yep. So usually when we sign a licensing deal with a library, we do an agreement and it's pretty much all laid out in the agreement. Like we're giving them to the right to pitch it to whoever they want. Now, in some agreements, you are able to select like if there's certain you know, types of content you don't want your music on, sometimes you can go ahead and select those boxes. Like, I don't want my content in, in certain things, explicit things. Um, so you can do that. Um, otherwise, you know, they just kind of place it or the companies will come to them and just pull from their online catalog. Um, and then you never really know where it ends up. You just kind of create it based off of a brief, unless they send, unless a specific show sends you a brief, which happens sometimes too. Then you know, okay, this is for this show. But even then, you'll make it for a particular show, but then it can go and be used in a bunch of other shows. So, yeah. When you said like the first time, like one of your song or music got like aired was like eight, or I don't know, but you said something about eight years ago, how it first appeared on a Keeping Up With The Kardashians. Like, are these relationships that you have with the, um, like the people who signed your contracts with to give them your music, do they like keep coming back for Yeah, dope question. Um, yes, so usually a deal typically lasts three years. It's kind of a term of a licensing deal. Um, if you don't say, hey, three years is up, I want to pull my music, then it just automatically renews. 
Um, so a lot of, you, you know, usually like a handful of companies, um, you know, they'll keep pitching like that same music and they'll keep sending you briefs for new music because like literally so much music is used in these shows. Like I did, um, I did a bunch of episodes of, of Love and Hip Hop, right? So we get what's called a cue sheet every quarter from our, our performing rights organization, which is the company that pays us our royalties. And on one episode, there was like 140 pieces of music used just on one episode of that show. Um, so they go through a lot of music. So we'll continue to get briefs for new music. Um, they'll continue to pitch the old music. So that keeps getting used. And then it just adds up um, over time. It, it just never it doesn't stop unless you stop, really. So, yeah. Um, Good question. So a brief usually lets you know. Um, in fact, I may have I may have one I can show you. Let's see. Actually, let's see. I think I have one in here. Is it? Oh, okay. Okay, here we go. Okay, so this is the album brief. Um, West One Music Group is the library or the publisher, it's the same thing. Um, and they commissioned me to produce an album specifically to be used in TV and film. So they sent me this brief. Um, they give you kind of details of, of what they're looking for, the styles. Um, so here you can see they had success placing cues on Netflix, VH1, and MTV reality shows. Um, so they wanted some upbeat, um, propulsive hip-hop instrumentals aimed primarily at reality TV. So an easy way to kind of figure out what that sounds like is you could just pull up a reality TV show and just kind of listen to the music. Um, it's a great way to study. They kind of give you uh, examples and styles. Here they gave me a Dropbox link. And it has, you know, an example of tracks and, and the structure and style of tracks that they want to hear. So we pretty much listen to that and it gives us pretty much the outline of, of what they need. And then we just kind of produce our own original music based off of the references that they give us. Um, and then here are more references, some other albums, some shows. Um, and then they'll, they'll give us the, the tech specs. So this is like how they want files, like 24-bit, 16-bit, um, you know, the deadline for the project. So we know exactly when to have everything turned in. Um, sometimes we go back and forth and make different edits depending on, you know, like if they hear something like, hey, let's add this or let's take this out. Uh, we'll kind of go back and forth, make a few revisions before that, that final version is, um, is approved. Um, let's see. 
And then just a breakdown of, of royalties, um, any advances or anything like that. That's pretty much it. Um, yeah, that's what, that's what a brief looks like. Yep. That, um, I could do, I could do one in about an hour and a half or two. It, it depends. Sometimes like I'm, sometimes I'm on a thousand. I like, I'll knock out five in, in a day, but, um, one of the biggest problems I see producers have when trying to get in the sync licensing is not knowing the steps to take in order to get that set up and started. So I created a super simple, easy, free six step guide to help you get started so you know the exact steps you need to take so you can start getting your music placed in TV and film. Go ahead, go to clintproductions.com slash six steps to download that free guide. Again, it's clintproductions.com slash the number six steps, clintproductions.com slash six steps. Steps, download your free six-step guide and get started today like right now like let's go like what, what are we waiting for for this one it wasn't a big rush so I really wanted to take my time make sure I had the structure right because that's the most important thing like you don't it's not necessarily about speed and getting a boatload of tracks out it's about giving them um, you know just a solid number of well-constructed tracks that they can use for you know for an extended period of time uh, I think David said was That's a great question. No, I don't sample specifically because I work in music licensing. Samples create the largest headaches like ever in music licensing because the advantage that we have as indie producers working with publishers such as West One Music Group um, is we're not tied to major publishers, right? So they're able, the the production, TV production companies, they're able to clear something way faster working with me than working with someone who signed to say, um, I don't know, a major publisher like Sony, Sony Music Group or something like that and a major artist because there's so many different publishers involved on one major song, like a major hit, um, that it just takes a while and the major labels are gonna want a a huge amount of money for clearance of a song. So if I was to sample, that would send them through this whole headache of getting cleared from multiple major publishers and that price going way up. Whereas they can work with me for a lower price, but it's still good for me because it's just me. I'm not like an entire corporation, right? So it's kind of a win-win. So no, I don't sample. And that's the reason why I can create issues and clearance. I do. Um, let's see. Will the audio play through here? I think so. Um, you may have to change the speaker or something, and you have to change the audio settings. Yeah. On your iPad? Yes. On, on, my, on an iPad? Yes. <laughs> Let me see. Well, it says, okay, let's see, I'll open up, I have, okay, I have one I recently did on Garage, but I was like literally like sitting in a park and I just, and I made this beat. Okay, is that it? Okay, sweet.
So if you notice, it's, it's kind of mid-up tempo. Um, I don't really do a lot of things slow because in TV, slow music doesn't really get used a lot, so. And that's it, that's usually how we end every track. So, thank you. So yeah, we usually keep the tracks short, around a minute and a half, no longer than two two minutes, two and a half minutes. Yep. Yeah, so I just had a question. Sure. So we were talking about intellectual property like a couple of hours ago, and I was just wondering how copyright would work in something like this. Like, what, is it based on similarity to structure? Like, what, what, how does it work? Yeah, great question. So <clears throat> anytime you create music, you're creating intellectual property, and once you create it and you have it in a form like this, you are the copyright owner. You own the copyright of this piece of intellectual property. Um, so there's two things you can do. You can not sign that right away or that copyright away. You keep it forever um, and then just license the rights to it. Um, or you could sign that copyright to a publishing company and transfer the copyright to them in exchange for, um, for money. So. Typically, in a deal, a standard deal, uh, we're just giving them the right to publish it and, you know, and place it and license it and things like that while retaining the ownership of the copyright. Um, so that, that pretty much stays in my hand. We can, if you want to file that copyright with, um, you know, copyright.gov, Library of Congress, you can do that um, just to have further solid proof that you're the owner of it. Um, but yeah, and that, that's a, going back to the, the sampling question, that's why we don't sample, because we want to make sure we own 100% of that so that they can easily clear it. Oh, good question. Yeah. Uh, when you're actually producing in the studio, do you use like physical instruments or do you just use like digital sounds? Like um, a combination of both. Sometimes, like I was asked to do, it was like some like old school Motown R&B, right? So in that case, if you go back to that time period, you notice the bass line is driving a lot of the music, right? So in that instance, I would start with a live bass and, and play live bass on there. Um, I was asked to do kind of like a Caribbean hip hop album for TV once, right after I got back from Punta Cana and I bought some maracas, so I used the maracas in that, <laughs> in that instance. So that was dope. Um, but then other than that, it's usually all software. And I'll tell you why. Um, in licensing, there are times where you'll make a beat, um, say, matter of fact, I'll tell you a story. I was out, this was when I was still 
um, still working in IT, right? So I had some music that I sent to a library. It had to be at least three years ago, like from that at that time, right? So sent it to them three years ago. They accepted it, no issues. Great. Three years later, they hit me up. <clears throat> and I'm like just out and about in the like middle of Atlanta somewhere. I live in Woodstock. And they're like, yo, like this track you did, uh, we want to use it for for this VH, was it, it was like VH1 or MTV promo. It was a new show and they put together a promo. And it was just like, we want to use it for the promo and use it in the show, but we need a certain sound. Um, we need a certain stem. And, and a stem is like a combination of like three different sounds, right? So I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Like, I'll knock it out ASAP. I wasn't even near the house, right? So I'm rushing. I was just like, they get, I had like two hours to get it to them. Deadlines in TV are super quick. It's crazy. So I had two hours. So I was just like, okay. So I drove home real quick. I had a break in between two calls that I had. Um, luckily, it was a light day. So I rushed home, got home, got to the studio, and I pull up the session. Nothing that I did in that session three years ago pulled up because it was on a different computer. It was a bunch of different sounds. And I was just like, oh, shoot, like, what, what do I do? So I had to go through, listen to the original, like, MP3 of the track I still had and go through and try and, like, match each sound as close as I could to the original version. Like, I was panicking, bro. Like, it was crazy. So um, I did it. I met the deadline, and it was at that point I realized, like, yo, I have to save and print out everything as audio so I never have to go through that again. Like, it was insane. So I use software because it's easier to do that. Like, if I use all live instruments and they hit me up three years later again and I didn't have those instruments or I didn't record it some type of way or didn't have the session, it would be a lot harder to replay that stuff manually and re-record it and... I wouldn't have met the deadline, so that's why I use software mostly. Yeah. How do you keep people from stealing your Ah, good question. Um, producers ask me that too. I mean, the, going back to copyright, um, copyright it if if you feel uncomfortable with you know putting it out there. I've never had an issue on the licensing side or even on the major industry. I've been fortunate where no one has tried to steal stuff. Um, you know, when you have sessions like this and everything is kind of mapped out, you can kind of prove, like, I was the original creator of this. Like, no one else is going to have this. So that helps filing that copyright with copyright.gov, you know, further solidifies that. So if someone did, um, then, you know, you could, you could sue and prove, like, hey, this is my copyright. You infringed upon it, so on and so forth. But... Um, really don't see that in, in licensing. Like we're making like a minute and a half instrumentals and yeah, if somebody wanted to steal that, it's just like, all right, I'll just make another one. But um, I usually don't have issues with that. Um, so in licensing, I don't, cause I make a lot of music, right? That could get super expensive. Um, so what I advise is like, if you do have a large catalog of music and you want to feel extra protected and file that with copyright.gov, you can do what's, what's called like a collection of works. And if you're, if everyone's the same writer within that collection of works, like if it's just you and you know, you have 50 tracks, on, and it's just you on all 50 tracks and you can just register the collection for, for one fee so it won't be as expensive. So that's a way to kind of work around that.
Yes. How much did like your at home studio setup cost and how long did it take to pay it off? Um, so that's a good question. Um, in college, I started investing in myself by getting equipment like one piece at a time. Like I would buy the keyboard, then I would buy the monitors, kind of the main things to really get started, the computer, the interface. Um, over time, I've changed and switched out so much gear. Um, ah, man, and I, I can't even, uh, upwards five grand at least of the current setup. And it, honestly, these days, it doesn't really take a lot to get, like you can see right now, I, I produce that on my iPad. Like you just get an iPad, open up GarageBand, get a little MIDI controller just to input the notes, you'll be good to go. So it depends on where, you know, where you're starting, um, what you wanna do. And then, you know, obviously I've been doing it for a while and I'm a musician, I play keys mainly, so I kind of need like a bigger keyboard. So I have that set up at home, but um, it can range depending on what you want your setup to look like. Yes. Uh, how did your creative process look like? Like, do you think about it in your head or do you just get a little <laughs> Yeah, I talk to myself a lot, man. It's really weird, but uh, <laughs> no. I, so I get the brief, like I showed you guys earlier. I'll get the brief. And then really, I don't have to think a lot because the brief, like you guys saying, it shows you everything you need to do. Um, it gives you the references. So I know what it should sound like based off of the brief. Um, and then I'll start with the melody. I'll start with, um, for example, this one, uh, let's see. I just started, I'll mute that. I started with that. So that's kind of like the main chords. I know everything I create is gonna be around that. And then everything else is just adding, um, it's adding a main, a main melody. So this part here, no, that's hi-hat, so it's not melody. Where are we at? Hi-hat, hi-hat. I know I had a, oh, here it is. So then I'll have a, a main melody to go with that. And that was that's like the meat of this track, right? And then after that, once I have the chords, I have the melody, now I like to add the drums. And then I usually start with, um, I usually start with the snare just to kind of establish what I want the, the rhythm to sound like. Oops. And then from there, add the kick, 808, and then so on and so forth. And then we add in the hi-hats. And that's it. And then everything else outside of that is really just doing transitional things. So, you know, having your cymbals, um, your cymbals go in, you know, when the next section of the song is, is starting things like that, um, different effects and things to just kind of color it and, and make it sound nice and interesting, not boring. So, yeah. So you said you're like an indie producer right now. Would you ever be interested in like signing with a, a record label? Great question. No, because, so I had a publishing deal 2011. Um, during that publishing deal, I, you know, I was able to produce for Tamar Braxton and um, Tyon Christian, 
uh, who's TC, he's worked with like Justin Bieber and Brandy and a bunch of insane people, super dope writer, um, as well as Case and some, some other artists. The crazy thing is, that publishing deal didn't garner those relationships. That was re those were relationships that I built on my own. So that kind of showed me it's just like, yo, like I don't, I don't have to be signed to a major label and kick off a bunch of publishing, take a, a huge advance, and then not see any money until I recoup that advance. So you know, in, in today's industry, especially with social media and the internet, I feel like. As an indie producer, there's more opportunities that we can take advantage of when we're not tied down to a, a major situation like that. And I mean, I have friends who have deals and, you know, some of them are in dope situations, some of them aren't, you know what I mean? It just depends on where you are um, and, you know, the kind of brand that you want to build. Um, you can go either way, but I, I recommend going independent because I can literally work with whoever I want. I can still work with the major artists um, and keep all the publishing because I'm not tied down to a, a major publisher. So, yeah. Whenever like somebody hires you to create some beat, do you keep some sounds and get to use it like make you who you are? Um, yeah, so one sound that I, I usually throw in, especially in songs, like f full songs, um, you guys, you probably heard it in here, but it's this sound here, Let's see. The, the woof, that was literally me saying woo, and then I kind of put some effects on it and things like that. So that can be called what's, what's called a producer tag, right? So that's kind of a, you know, a way to kind of brand your music and allow people to identify. So if you guys are ever watching TV and you hear a random woo, it probably was me, so uh, yeah. Any other questions? Yeah. Um, in your opening slides, that um, rapper athlete entrepreneur. Yes. Um, any examples of, of songs that you have rapped for? Um, so, uh, what's your favorite? So, the, the shirt, so it had rapper crossed out, it had athlete crossed out, then it had entrepreneur. Um, and I guess the story behind that was pretty much as a, as a black man in America, a lot of times when people see successful black people, a black male like myself, they either think, oh, they, they're like a, a top rapper artist or this big basketball player, football player. But instead of that, I'm actually an entrepreneur. I own a business and I, you know, I, I'm in business for myself. So that was kind of the, the message behind the shirt. Um, I... <laughs> I used to rap. I, that, it was a dream at one point. Um, yeah, and then that stopped. Um, but I did, actually my first TV placement um, was a song, it was an instrumental of a song that I actually rapped on. It was called I'm Taking Over. And it was a sports song. So it was pretty much just talking about, you know, just competitiveness, taking over, winning, being a winner, things like that. And that instrumental ended up getting used on Thursday Night Football. Um, during some of the highlights and then later on Fox Sports and things like that. So that was kind of like my intro, oddly enough, even though I'm not a rapper, that was like my introduction to the whole TV and film space. I was more interested in hearing an IT person rap. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, like I don't have, um, yeah, I don't have that song going, but yeah. I love that, but you're like, no, no. Yeah, yeah, like I'll, 
I'll do it if I have to for a TV placement, but yeah. You, you're not going to hear me freestyle right now. Like, it's, it's going to be bad. Any other questions? Um, yeah, I want to work with her. She's super dope. Um, that's, that's, a, that's an artist I would love to work with. Um, I also would have want to work with Michael Jackson because that dude's a genius. The closest I've gotten was working with a writer that worked with him, um, uh, with Rest in Peace, LaShawn Daniels, uh, super talented rapper, uh, not rapper, writer. Um, but yeah, those are, those are like some artists that I would, I would love to work with, love their musicianship. Producers, if you're looking to take your music production business to the next level, then I want to invite you to apply for my producer mentorship program. During this one-on-one -on -one mentorship, I'm going to show you strategies and principles you can use to start, grow, and scale your music production business. So if you're making less than $1,000 per month in your production business and you want to scale that up to make more, or you may just want to get your music placed in TV and film and just have a coach guide you along that process to your first music licensing deal, I can help you with that as well. Now, I only work with a select number of producers each month, so if you want to get one of those slots, make sure you go to ProducerMentorship.com to apply, and if you're a good fit, I'll be sure to reach out to you when another slot opens up. To apply, go to ProducerMentorship.com. That's ProducerMentorship.com. Last time, ProducerMentorship.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Yeah, I moved here because of that. I was So I'm originally from Toledo, Ohio. And then I went to school at The Ohio State University. So I lived in Columbus for about six years. Once I graduated, I was just like, I know I don't want to go back home to Toledo. That joint was terrible. Um, Columbus was okay, but I was just like, I got to a point to where it was just like, yo, I need somebody I can learn from. I need somebody who's where I'm trying to go. And I didn't have that in Columbus, right? Um, so, you know, the, the, the more you, the more you learn, <clears throat> the more you grow. And I felt like there wasn't a lot of people I can learn from in Columbus. So I was just like, okay, Atlanta's the next move. And, and that working with Music Soul Child with uh, the producer mentor we mentioned earlier, that kind of pushed me to come to Atlanta because um, that producer, Scrap, he was in Atlanta at the time. Um, and yeah, so I made the move here in 2011. And it, it's been dope because a lot of studios are here, so you can go in a studio and run into a bunch of people. Um, the energy here, like, it's a bunch of, like, I'm in a room full of students talking about entrepreneurship. Like, just didn't see that a lot where I'm from. So um, it, it's full of inspiration. It is like a, a, music me a music mecca as well as film. So, yeah, it's a really dope place. Um, a lot of music events, showcases, a lot of talent. Um, so, yeah, it's been, it's been really good. My, so random, right? My degree is in consumer and family financial management. Com yeah, just completely unrelated. So, if I was to go back to school, yeah. Knowing what I know now, I would probably. I probably, I, no, because I'll tell you this. Cause, uh, no, I don't want to, I don't, I, 
I don't want to tell you not to go to college, but what I will say, go to college with an idea of what you want to do. And, and you know, cause I was like my freshman, sophomore year, I was like, I knew, I already knew I wanted to be a producer. Like I went to my advisor, I was like, look, I'm trying, I'm trying to be a producer, I'm trying to be the next dark child, next dope producer. Do you have a major for that? And she was like, no. So I was just like, okay, so what's the next best thing? And I fell into consumer family financial management because there was elements of marketing, consumer marketing. There was elements of the, the financial management because I have to manage finances um, in my business and even in my personal family. Um, so there was things that I picked up that allows me um, to successfully run my business and, and you know, deal with customers and, and marketing and things like that. Because all those things you have to do when you're building a brand and you're, you're putting yourself out there. So if I had to do it all over again, um, if I didn't use that major, it would probably be in, in marketing or something or business um, just to get those, those principles. But the college experience was super duper dope because um, it, it exposes you to so many different walks of life, especially at you know, a, a big university like Ohio State. So um, super dope. Know what you want to do so that way while you're in college, like, it's, like, it's like having like 20 mentors that you can glean from in, in each subject that you're in. So just soak in like as much as you can and you know, take notes and then what you learn, you can apply it to whatever you decide to do you know, later on in life or even during. And you don't even have to wait until you're done with college to start your businesses and, and, and launch your ideas. Like do it now because you know, if anybody, like any, everybody single in relationships, kids, anybody has kids, relationships. So yeah, like you have mad time. Like let me tell you, I got a kid, I have a wife, I got another one on the way. I didn't realize how much time I had when I was in high school and college. Like you have all the time. So use that time to get your ideas out, build your businesses, figure out what you want to do so you can make the most of your college experience and get exactly what you want to get out of it. And then, um, you know, from there, I started my business before I even graduated, um, you know, with, with the, the college degree. So you don't have to wait, but, you know, use it to your advantage. Yes. So I started producing or like playing around with beats when I was when I was 15. <laughs> right, right. So it was it was a journey. So, OK, so let's start. I won't start from when I was 15 because my beats were trash then. So we'll start like 2009 when I officially launched Clint Productions LLC. Right. So. That was when I was in college. Launched it, worked with some, some local artists in Columbus. 2011 was when I moved to Atlanta. So during 2011, 2013, I was just like, yo, like I'm trying to get to the major artists. And I had some success in that lane. But it just took too long to, listen, when you produce for like a major artist and you're working with major record labels like Epic and Sony and all that stuff, it takes forever to get your producer check, um, your producer advance. Um, like literally the album was already out bef way before I seen a check for it. So I was just like, I kind of don't like this. Um, so a friend in college 
introduced me to the whole TV and film space. Um, I would play keys and over his beats and things like that. And I didn't really think too much into it, right? So fast forward to 2013, I was just like, yo, like, wh no, I take that back. 2000, 2009, 10, I started revisiting the whole TV film thing. Again, my beats were still trash. <laughs> the mix was horrible. Um, and I wasn't skilled at producing and structuring music for TV because it's, it's different than artists, right? So fast forward to 2013, that's when I got the first TV placement. So it took me roughly 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, about four years to really figure it out and break in and eventually get that first TV placement. Um, not including going all the way back to I was 15 and actually working on my craft. So. Great question. So um, I have multiple streams of income as an entrepreneur. That's all based around my business. Right. So um, I have the TV and film placement stuff, which is all over the place. Sometimes you, you can get you get paid the upfront sync fees when the project happens. You get paid from albums and you get royalties. Royalties you don't get. Um, you only get every quarter. So every three months you get royalties. Um, but in addition to that, um, I lease beats online for indie artists, so I do that. Um, occasionally, I'll do some major artist work. Um, but then I also have um, digital products, so I create sound packs and things online um, for producers who may not be able to play keys as good as I play keys. So that's you know pretty much solving um, a problem for producers. So I got digital products. I have digital courses that teach other producers how to get their music in TV and film, how to structure their music for TV and film, have courses on how to mix, um, because that's, that's a challenging thing for producers. Um, I also you know, get paid ad revenue from the YouTube channel and things like that. Also do sponsorships with brands um, based around music gear and things like that. Um, let's see, what else do I do? Um, I also do one-on-one um, you know, -on -one coaching, consulting, mentoring, things like that. Um, different workshops. So there's a lot of different streams, probably like seven to nine different streams of income that kind of balances things out to where, you know, those quarterly royalty checks are just kind of additional income. Um, and then, you know, when you learn how to communicate to your audience um, in a consistent way, you can kind of create consistent income with everything that's that's kind of going on and then you just kind of budget you know budget your your money out accordingly so yes um different ones man like sometimes it's in the studio for music because that's where all my gear is so it's 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 cool to be there, but sometimes I got to step out. Um, like I said, this one I did like sitting at the bench in a, in a park somewhere. I was inspired just to be outside. I was tired of sitting in the house all day. So um, sometimes it's taking a trip. Like we were out when we went to um, the Dominican Republic, um, you know, hearing the music there and the rhythms and, and how they kind of do beats and, and the, the rhythm of their kicks and things like that. 
um, that's inspiring. So just being in different environments can, can inspire me um, and not doing like sitting in the same spot every single day. Um, so yeah, and then outside of that, I also believe in just being disciplined. So if I get a brief, like they could send me a brief right now and I, I, like, I can't tell them, you know what, I'm not inspired, so like, I'm not gonna work on this. Like, you, know, you have to be disciplined enough to be like, okay, this is what they need, let me sit down and knock it out. So I can literally create on demand um, just because I kind of just discipline myself to be able to do it. Otherwise, <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't be consistent, you know, um, and they won't, they won't work with inconsistent people. Yes? Your favorite song? Favorite song? Man, that's hard. That's like, I don't. It's hard. Because, um, yeah, man, I love so much music. Um, it's like that. Somebody asked me if I had a favorite movie. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to have favorites anymore. Like, it's too hard. A lot of them, if you ask me. <laughs> like half the radio. Um, yeah, and it, I mean, it, it happens. Like, be, like, and it goes back to the politics thing. Like, listen, if you, if you have a following, a huge following on TikTok, and you get that joint to pop, record labels are going to be like running your way because you have a following. You're already at the point where you can make money because you got a bunch of eyes on you. So the song could be trash. But because a lot of people are rocking with it and it's popular, like the labels are going to chase the money. Like, here's the deal. Song's trash, but we're going to put it out because people are listening to it and dancing to it. So it's just the beast. Any other questions? So I will leave you guys um, three things that every entrepreneur should know, right? Um, these are the major three things that have really helped me grow my business as an entrepreneur, music entrepreneur, influencer, um, et cetera. So first thing is being able to identify a problem. Everything that I do, everything that you're going to do in your future businesses, it's going to be around solving a problem one way or the other. Like everything, every business that exists is probably it's nine times out of ten, it's solving someone's problem. So you have to be able to identify a problem. Number two, you have to be able to identify exactly who has that problem. That's going to be your target audience, your target market, your, your avatar, customer avatar. Like how old are they? are they? What do they look like? Where do they hang out? What do they like? Do they like pizza and Marvel like your boy Clint? Do they, you know, what do they do? What do they like? What are, they, what are their struggles? What are their pain points? Like what annoys them? Um, so you need to know exactly who has that problem. The third thing is gonna be, you need to know how to create a solution for that problem. And that's what entrepreneurs are great at. We're great at providing solutions to people's problems. I provide solutions. I make beats and it's cool. Like people are like, yo, you make beats. That's awesome. But I'm solving a problem. There's TV production companies creating all this content and they have no music to put in it. And they, they need a lot of music. Um, music is, that's like a driving force to all the content you guys watch and consume. Like, have you ever tried to watch a scary movie on mute? Like the joint's not that scary. Like it's, it's probably more funny than anything. But like if you watch something on mute, it's not that entertaining because um, you don't have 
the musical elements driving those emotions, the, the suspenseful strings in the background that's making you feel like something is about to happen or something's about to pop out. So music plays a big role. So I'm solving problems that way. Um, a lot of producers don't know how to get their music in TV and film. So I create digital products to help them do that. That's solving a problem. Um, who, who am I solving that problem for? Producers. Their age is usually 24 to 35. Um, so they're in a lot of the same things I'm into because I'm a producer. So I know exactly what their pain points are. I know how to communicate with them. I know how to talk to them. Um, so those are three things. You want to, number one, be able to identify a problem. Number two, know exactly who has that problem. And then number three, create a solution to that problem. So any questions about that? That's it. All right. Thank you for listening to the Music Is My Business podcast. If you haven't already subscribed, be sure to do so now so you can know every time I drop a new episode. If you found the information helpful, please be sure to rate and review the podcast so we can get this dope info out to more music entrepreneurs like you. I would greatly appreciate it. Also, if you want to learn more about how to get your music placed in TV and film, visit ClintProductions.com today to download my free six-step guide to TV placements. These are the steps I took to land my first 10 TV placements in a little over a year. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next one.